Broadcasting from the Any Hour Services Podcast Studios, I'm your host, Mike Wilson, and on this episode, we're going to be talking about reverse osmosis water filters. Actually, is it a filter or just a system or I don't know. Filter. Okay. Filter. Let's system. go. System. It could be either. <laughs> Let's go. In the House is a podcast about the major systems in the house, electrical, plumbing, heating, and air conditioning. Each week, we pick a topic and we discuss it in depth. Uh, I really appreciate you tuning in. Once again, uh, do me a favor. If you're a fan of the show and you haven't left us a review yet, I'd really like to know what you think about the show. Go wherever you listen to podcasts, scroll down to where it says write a review and leave me some feedback. Let me know what you think about what we're doing here. Got Jeff Holt back in the in the studio with us today. He's been involved in the water conditioning industry in one form or another for going on 30 years now. Uh, Jeff, thanks for coming back. Oh, no problem. So RO systems are reverse osmosis systems. Yes. I, in your opinion, do you think more people refer to them as RO systems or do you think they like say reverse osmosis? You know, reverse osmosis, if you say it that way, that's going to be more prevalent. There's times that I'll be talking to people and I'll be like, yeah, when we look at this RO system and they just look at me kind of confused, so they're not quite understanding that, but yeah, gotcha. you hear it both ways, but. Well, when I think of um, an RO system or a reverse osmosis system, um, I think of the the tank underneath the sink that takes up a lot of space okay and maybe the cartridge filters yes. and the little uh the extra faucet thing on the countertop uh-huh. the for drinking water is is that is that the most common kind or it is um most units when the um like we talked in an episode before about water softeners it was going to be what's called a point of entry system mm. whereas a reverse osmosis system typically is going to be called a point of use system point so use. it's going to be at a specific location. That makes sense. Um, with the reverse osmosis, what is it actually doing? You said it was a filter, uh, and we talked last time about water softeners. I guess, actually, explain to me water conditioning in general and like how all of these things kind of okay. uh, fall underneath that umbrella. So water filtration, there's a bunch of different ways that we can look at it. You can go by particle filtration, microfiltration, um, nanofiltration, reverse osmosis, water softening, uh, chemical reduction, which is mainly with carbon filters. So, I mean, there's a lot of different faucets when it comes to um, water purification, depending upon which spectrum we want to kind of dive into. So when we're talking water softener, we're talking mineral mineral removal. When we're talking reverse osmosis, we're going on off of something that's called TDS. So TDS is a very, very, very generic term. It's called for uh, total dissolved solids. Mm. So total dissolved solids, when we're talking about that, that's literally anything in the water that's not supposed to be there. So it's not H2O. Pretty much. So if it's a... Uh, chemical, if it's a solid, if it's a sodium, any of those things that are in the water that shouldn't be there, that's what an RO system is working to remove. So an RO system is, its job is to remove anything that's not water. Pretty much. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So um, they say that tap water is safe to drink, right? Unless you get like a notice from the city or whatever. But um, so is reverse osmosis more of a a, per, a preference um yeah i mean you get people who will it, it we talked before about taste of water yes 
So a reverse osmosis system is going to really, really, really enhance the taste of the water. Enhance it. Um, yeah. So it, for me personally, and maybe this is just because I've had it most of my life, but a reverse osmosis system, typically we're going to get a lot better tasting water. Um, and that could just be because I'm used to it, but you, I live in Eagle mountain mm -hmm. and the water out there, if it's, if anybody out there listening is hearing this, um, it tastes like dirt. It's gross coming out of the ground. Mm -hmm. Um, so getting water where it has that objectionable taste, um, and all the stuff that's in it, we're getting it to a level where it's more palatable in my opinion and getting it to where it's doesn't have quite as many contaminants in the water. Gotcha. So yeah, I, I prefer reverse osmosis yeah. water. It, it tastes more, tastes more pure. It like when you say it, it, it enhances the taste. Mm -hmm. I actually think that it like makes it taste more like what you would think water would taste like, which should be nothing. Right. Yeah. Or does water have a taste? A lot of people say that water, if it's perfectly pure, it's an empty taste. Mm, um, empty. but it's, you so don't satisfying. Yeah. You don't get a, you don't get that weird aftertaste if the yes. water is purified. Well, sometimes you'll drink water and you'll, after you're done drinking it, you're like, Oh, well, it's got a weird and nasty taste. Um, that usually will go away when you're using a reverse osmosis system. Gotcha. Um, so with what types of things is it like removing from the water? Like you mentioned solids and things, but mm -hmm. you mentioned contaminants, like what kinds of can, like, is there a test to like, see how pure, like what, what kind of test would test how effective your RO system is being? So we have a TDS monitor that we can use and it's just a, a probe test where you dip it in the water and it will give us a number of how many total dissolved solids are in the water. It doesn't tell us what those total dissolved solids are, but it will tell us what the level of total dissolved solids are. Gotcha. Um, so if you're breaking it down into chemical, um, it's on a chemical basis, it could be uh, nitrates, nitrites, uh, fluorides, chlorines. Those are going to be your most common ones. If we're talking about um, some of your heavy metals, um, arsenic, aluminum, uh, calcium, copper, all those different things, magnes, uh, mercury. I mean, I can go on and on of all the different things that it's going to pull at a percentage. So when you say things like arsenic. Yes. <laughs> it sounds, uh, sounds, sounds scary. Sounds dangerous, but yes. like, I mean... There are, I guess, what uh, the FDA, is it the FDA that regulates? Uh, EPA. EPA, the mm -hmm. uh, water quality. Yes. Uh, now, are there acceptable levels of arsenic that can be in the water? Yes, there is. Okay. And so we're, we're, we're wanting to remove those things. Uh-huh. So, yeah, so if you're looking at just, if we wanted to key in on arsenic, anything that's below 10 parts per billion is technically acceptable. Gotcha. Um, so if you're in Utah County, if you're building and you're on a private well, you have to have a water quality test. And if it's above 10 parts per million coming out of the ground, million or billion, billion. Okay. With a B, um, if it's above 10 parts per billion, then you actually have to treat it to mm. remove it. Um, so down like Lakeshore, Benjamin, if you're out West of uh, Spanish fork and all that farmland area over there, it's actually pretty prevalent over there. Is that something that is occurring naturally or around farmlands? Is that because of pesticides and things like leaching into the ground? 
it's hard to say. Yeah, speculative. It's very speculative. I okay. mean, it's something that could have just been there for years and years. I mean, you find it in mining communities and stuff like that quite a bit. Mm. Um, up in Park City, they had a big issue with arsenic a while back. Really? Um, where they had to put in an arsenic removal system mm. um, because of the high arsenic levels that they were having, actually having going through the city water systems. So let me let me go this direction then, because we mentioned uh, like a boil order and like my my parents lived down in Mapleton, Mapleton and, and yeah. last week, yeah, last they week. had like a boil order down there and I've, I've had one in Pleasant Grove before and we've heard mm-hmm. about them, you know, periodically they yes. happen. Uh, here's my question. If you have an RO system and a boil order comes through in your city, like, are you good with the, with the RO or do you still need to boil? Um, so Uh-oh. me personally, <laughs> okay. I would still boil. Okay. Um, Mainly it's because I'm not maybe as trusting as I probably should be. But if you look at an RO system, it's actually rated to remove bacteria. Gotcha. Um, so if there are, is bacteria in the water, it'll pull it. Um, the best way to get rid of bacteria, though, is with a, it's called a UV light, mm. uh, ultraviolet filtration. Um, that's going to be your most effective way to remove it. Um, but if we kind of dive into what a reverse osmosis membrane does, the membrane size is let's see it's 0.0001 microns inside so it's just way 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 tiny mm-hmm. um so the it's a the membrane it's almost like a paper with little teeny holes in yep. it yep so as the water passes by it the the water uh, molecules can pass through it everything that's above that 0.0001 gets trapped and then it, there's another flushing system that flushes it down into the drain gotcha most of your bacterias and stuff like that are going to be 0.2 microns in size. So they're way too big to fit through the paper or through that semi-permeable membrane. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, RO systems have a 99.9% reduction rate in bacteria. That's what they're rated for. If gotcha. they're working appropriately, if your filters are changed, if you're doing all your good maintenance and stuff like that and upkeep on the system. Um, so can you drink the water? Theoretically, yes. Um, but we're not recommending it. But on I, show. I, yeah, I personally, I still, I would follow the the city and say let's let's keep oil in just to make sure. Gotcha. So you mentioned you've got the RO membrane, and for my or if you if you were to look online and look for a reverse osmosis system, yes, they usually have m- like multiple canisters. Mm-hmm. or multiple filters, yeah, uh, and one of them is an RO, or a reverse osmosis filter, or membrane that has the tiny holes, Yep. right? So what are those other things doing? And if you've got that one membrane, do you need the others? So the membrane is going to be the one that's doing most of the, pretty much all the work. Mm-hmm. The other filters are kind of preparing the water to where it can be accepted by the membrane. So that it doesn't have to do as much. Exactly. Gotcha. So if you get a membrane and you put it in and there's any chlorine in the water, usually it will burn that membrane out within three weeks to six months. Now, when you say burn it out, like, does it like literally make the holes bigger to where it's not um, effective or it just clogs them? It'll and just not... clog them up. Gotcha. It'll, it'll almost, it's almost, I don't, not melt, but it will just make it to where nothing can pass through the, the membrane. Gotcha. Um, High mineral content. Um, so if your water's over about 10-ish, 10 to 12 parts per uh, uh, grains per gallon. Hard? A, yeah, if it's hard water, 
that'll actually really shorten the life of the membrane. Um, if you have particles in your water that's over five microns, that'll damage the membrane. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that we want to pre-treat before it hits the membrane. So most of your water filters will have a sediment filter that will knock everything out five microns and above. And then it's going to have some type of a carbon filter that's going to pull all your chemical that could damage the membrane. So that's kind of what those other ones What are. about the hardness? Um, hardness. So that's where, where the recommendations are listed, but we've actually had RO systems that we've installed the ones that we use and they've been, um, up in, um, Harriman where the water is just 50 plus grains hard. And as long as we're doing the yearly maintenance, the membranes do definitely shorten in lifespan that we, but they still work great. Well, cause here's the thing. Like if, if hardness is, is that bad for them? I'm pretty sure it's a common thing, especially when you're adding them under the sink that you're tapping off of that cold water supply exactly. right there. And that's mm-hmm. the one that softener loops leave hard. Yep. It is. Hmm. So, um, that's how mine's done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so if you look at the, I've actually got the, um, the maximum contaminant levels that they actually want okay. on the ROs that we sell. And it actually lists it as hardness at, they want it below 170 milligrams per liter. So how does that translate into grains? Um, one, if you get milligrams per liter and you divide it by 17.1, that will get you to grains per gallon. Okay. So, so 170, you divide that by 17. Are you doing 1. that math right now? Yep. Okay. Uh, 170 divided by 17.1. Yeah. That's 9.94. So 10 grains. Ain't nobody in Utah got nine. Yeah. So most stuff. Utah is going to be well, well above that. Cause see on my RO system, it says that like the, all of the other filters besides the RO membrane, like change them annually, but the RO <laughs> they're saying last two years or 24 yeah. months or whatever. So if I've got like, I think at my house, I'm like 40 grains hardness. Yeah. Uh, if that's going to my RO, am I cutting the lifespan of that in half? Probably. You are. You're cutting it down quite a bit. Um, so out in Eagle mountain where I live, um, I've got soft water feeding mine. Um, but if you have soft water feeding a membrane, instead of replacing it every 18 months to two years, which is usually about the most that we can get on an RO with its hard water, um, I've had my membrane installed for five years and it's still working great. I'm gonna rewire mine, or not, what, what do you call it when you, replumb. I'm gonna replumb mine. you reroute the water line? I am, because <laughs> I, I just recently did a kitchen remodel, because, yeah. well, I, I did a couple of things. When I first had my RO uh, system put in, I, I really liked the RO, and, mm-hmm. But I would find that when I was getting uh, ice out of the freezer, it was being made with that yucky old tap water. And oh, yeah. so like the RO water tastes super good. But then once the tap water starts to melt, you like I'm getting, yeah, and I'm getting this like weird taste. And I'm like, oh, so I ran a line from uh, I just came off with a T from my RO and ran to the ice maker to the thing. And it's awesome. awesome. Problem solved. Yep. Then I remodeled my kitchen and I actually took my RO system and I put it in the basement right yep. underneath where the uh, thing is. And I, I still routed a line to the mm-hmm. ice maker and have a line uh, go into the thing. But I it's right under where the kitchen stuff is. And see if I'd had this conversation with you six months ago, I would have not like drilled a hole down. Cause I still came off of the cold water supply. Yeah. So like I, I wasn't sure, uh, you know what I was doing or why I was yeah. doing that. And so, no. So you brought something up, uh, you have it down in your basement. Yeah. Um, 
we're actually finding that more and more and more to where people are moving them and putting them under the basement because the cabinets underneath the sink are getting smaller and smaller and smaller. It's so nice to so, like have all that room yeah. back. Yeah. Yeah. The RLs that we use, they're, they're called a micro line. Um, so they don't take up too much space and we use a high, a high, um, gallon rating membrane. So the recovery period or the, how fast it makes the water is really, really fast. Um, by doing that, we can use a smaller storage tank. Hmm. So we take up a little bit less space, but we'll get our RO systems. And if it's available, um, we're talking with all the plumbers that we work with and we're telling people, put them in the mechanical rooms and we can put a uh, something on there. It's called a permeate pump mm -hmm. and it makes it where your pressure's amazing. And then we can use it with a larger storage tank. And then you're not stuck to where you can only use it for drinking. You can use it for all your cooking and all that type of stuff as well. Um, and then you get, a lot more effectiveness out of it. Like gotcha. we've had, we had a guy that it was a bigger home. Um, but we, I, th I think we had 14 takeoffs from mm -hmm. an RO. Wow. And we put it down in the mechanical room and he had it going to an ice chest for an under the sink ice maker. I think we had, he had two kitchens in his house. So we were going to both kitchens and he put a faucet in every single bathroom for the drinking water. Wow. Um, as well as, uh, drinking fountains and so on and so forth. So it was going to a lot of different places. So we had, it was about a 35, 40 gallon water storage tank down mm. in the basement. Um, and coming off there. of it, did you have a pump that was like feeding pressure to it? Or did that storage tank, does that, do those larger storage tanks work the same way where they've got a bladder and you air it up and those big ones just have enough pressure to get, to um, everything? they do have a bladder on them. There's two different ways you can run it. You can either use what's called a bladder tank, which is industry standard. That's what a lot of people use. If we get into the really, really big ones where we're pushing a lot of flow, then we'll use an atmospheric tank to where it's an open tank. And then we put a delivery pump after it. Mm. Um, so there's a couple of different ways that you can run it depending upon how much water and how fast the water needs to go. Gotcha. Um, but we can do either one. Cause I've, I've noticed, um, that when you, when a builder plums for an ice maker line, mm -hmm. they'll usually run like half inch yeah. line, pecs to it. And if you want to try and feed your ice maker with that, that small two and a half gallon or, you mm -hmm. know, whatever tank that you've got under the sink, like the, it just doesn't create doesn't enough, give you enough pressure flow. to like, uh, or yeah, flow to like mm -hmm. get up to that ice maker. Yeah, and you'll get fridges that work off of either flow or work off of pressure. Mm. It depends upon the manufacturer of the fridge and some of them will have pressure guidelines and some of them will have flow gu guidelines with that permeate pump. It gets it back to where you're at line pressure pretty darn close. Um, so one of the things that we'll find another main thing is I just don't get enough flow out of my fridge with an RO. You're typically going to lose about 30% of your flow at your fridge. Mm. The second you hook it up, um, just because of the internal components mm -hmm. of it, yeah, just because of how it runs and all the stuff that it has to go through. But if we have that permeate pump added to it, your flow will pretty much stay pretty consistent mm. and you don't see that drop. How are they going to, well, here's the thing with my fridge. I only have an ice maker. I don't have one of those little water the dispensers, the, the, the water dispenser thing. And so, and the ice maker is like in the freezer mm -hmm. type of thing. So are most people going to notice the, the flow issue if they have a dispenser or will the ice not fully form? Like you get that hollow ice. You may, yeah, I was going to say you might get to where your ice cubes come out smaller or hollow. Mm. Um, but most of the time people will notice it on a dispensing basis. Gotcha. If your dispenser is coming out slow. Gotcha. So I've actually heard people say that 
reverse osmosis, like that, that filtered water when it's filtered to that level, that it's not actually good for you because it's actually removing minerals yeah. that might actually be good for you. I'm just curious. I want to get your thoughts on that. Um, so when you really look at the minerals that are in the water, um, your body is grabbing very, 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 very small amounts of those minerals that are in the water. Um, a lot of the water that you have, um, calcium is going to be the main mineral that people are talking about. A lot of the minerals that are in there, you're, they're in the wrong format. So your body actually kicks them out as waste. Gotcha. Um, there's a organic and an inorganic form to all these minerals that are in the water. And a lot of these minerals are actually in the inorganic phase or the, uh, like a, uh, calcium carbonate versus calcium bicarbonate. Um, if you want to get down on a chemical basis or a molecular basis. Um, so a lot of these things are in the wrong format or your body can't even accept them. Um, that being said, it, yeah, it's going to pull them. If you're that concerned about it though, I usually tell people either take a multivitamin because you're going to get a lot more out of a multivitamin than you're ever going to get out of your water. If you're relying on your water for all your vitamins and minerals, you're not going to get very far. Sure. The, what about Dr. Pepper? Cause I rely on Dr. Pepper oh, for a lot of yeah, my, uh, you need nutrients. plenty of vitamin D. Okay. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, um, what I, I'm also curious about this, the RO filters versus yes. like the, the little filters where you can put the water in it and put the pitcher in the, in the, uh, refrigerator, um, and, or you can attach it to the, um, whatever it's called the tap and like, are, are we allowed to say names? You, well, okay. I, don't, I don't care. So like we, we got no sponsors. We're not losing right, any money off of this. Sure. <laughs> so, so the, the number one thing that when you say the ones that you put in the fridge, it's the Brita filters. Yeah. That's what, yeah. That's, yeah, what that's the ones of. that are the most common. Um, those are going to be a carbon based filter. Um, so you fill it up with water, you put it in the fridge and it slowly goes through that filter. Yep. Carbon is good at removing chemical. And that's about it. So is that really just kind of for taste, taste. or yeah. okay, carbon? Gotcha. Carbon works for chemical taste, discoloration, um, odors. Those are the things that carbon's good for. So it's going to, uh, when, if you're using only carbon, I, I usually will call them like a cover up filter because mm -hmm. you're covering up the issue. So the customer feels better about it, but you're not really doing much more than making things taste better without really making things better. Gotcha. Does that make sense? Yep. So, so um, with all of these different issues that could be with the water, I'm assuming that if you want to do some kind of water treatment, regardless, like uh, softener, filters, uh, UV lights that you uh -huh. like mentioned earlier, uh, that you should probably test the water to find out what all is mm -hmm. like, I don't know, wrong with it, but I would say the condition of your water currently, right? Yeah. And there's, there's tests that you can do in house if you don't want to get too deep. Mm -hmm. So like TDS, how I said, there's that probe tester. We can test it via probe mm -hmm. and we can tell you exactly what your TDS level is. Um, now, if you're wanting to know what that TDS is, typically you have to send that to a lab and that can get a little bit pricey to find out what those chemicals or those combatants are or the different levels of contaminants. Um, but it can be done. Now, when you say pricey, are you talking like a lab's going to charge you like a hundred bucks, a couple thousand? So we've got a lab that we work with and they will send you the bottles. You fill them up, you send them back to the lab and about a week and a half later, you get results. Um, usually if you're doing it on a city line, I think their most expensive package is about 280. Mm. So, uh, 
it, it can get a little bit, when I say pricey, I'm thinking hundreds, not thousands. Gotcha. Um, if you're on a private well, those ones can get a little bit more pricey because you're testing a lot more different things that are in the water. So for the average homeowner, if they wanted to like, uh, you know, do some tests to figure out the condition of their water, mm-hmm. what would you say are the most important things for them to test? And are there like DIY version, not DIY, but like, I mean, you can buy like a, a, a test on Amazon yeah. to test hardness, right? Yeah. You can buy the TDS testers. You can buy those all over the place. So, so let's, let's real quick, let's tell them what are the things that, that, you know, top things that they want to test for. You said TDS, the total so, dissolved solids. So if you come into our shop with a water sample uh-huh. and you say, I need to just test my water to see basically what's going on. If you're on a city water line, we're going to test your TDS. Okay. We're going to test your water hardness. Okay. We're going to test your chlorine levels. Okay. And then we're going to test your pH. Okay. Those are the four t- things that we'll test. If you are on a private well, we'll also test your iron levels. Gotcha. Um, we deal quite a bit with problem water. And if you're on a private well, that's kind of where you're designated most of the time is on problem water treatment because we're dealing with a lot of other issues that are in the water. Gotcha. Um, so, but those are the main things that we test for. Typically, if we know those factors, we can tell you exactly what we need to do or what would be the best thing for you to do. Gotcha. So water hardness, anything above, pretty much anything above three is where I'd say, yeah, we need to treat it. So pretty much if you live in the state of Utah, treat it. Gotcha. Chlorine levels, um, they can be anywhere from three to part, uh, one to three parts per million typically is where the range is. We want to get those all the way to zero. Okay. Um, pH, as long as we're neutral, we're good. Okay. Um, there's not much, I've only ran into having to treat pH a couple of times here in the state even on city water versus well water, most of the time pH is pretty well in check. Um, and then TDS, do you want to get that to zero or? Um, so that's going to be a, a percentage of removal. Gotcha. Um, so if you're above two, 220, that's usually where I tell people to start testing, uh, start treating it. Um, because when you're talking about minerals in the water, um, and this is where it kind of overshadows leaving the minerals on in the water for quote unquote healthy reasons. There's a lot of other things that make up TDS. So you may have a TDS TDS number of 200 and maybe 112 of those are minerals and the rest of those are just different things that you may not want there, like chlorine or your uh, nitrates, nitrates, um, fluorides. Those are the four that most people key in on. So we're trying to get rid of all those. Um, Out where I live in Eagle Mountain, our TDS floats. I wish it stayed steady, but it doesn't. I've tested it anywhere from 380 to 400 on the low side, mm. upwards to 700, 750 on the high side. Wow. Um, Orem, here where your shop is, we're generally around two to 250. And it stays pretty well within that range. Um, I definitely recommend treating it if it's over about 175 though. That's where I like to do it. but. Nationally, I mean, if it's above 2, 220, that's kind of where people are saying, hey, we probably should get this filtered and cleaned up a little bit. Gotcha. Okay, last question, then we'll yeah. wrap this up. And it was, I'm trying to think, like, is there a way that someone can tell that their RO membrane is done? Is it just that the taste comes back or, like, is there something else? Taste is going to be more attributed to the carbon filters that are on there. Um as far as production rates, if you're starting to get to where the RO is not producing very much water, if it's running to the drain continually, those are a couple of things that you might notice as issues with the membrane itself. Um, 
but the best way to know if it's working or not is with a test. So, well, you bring up an interesting thing because, like you said, if you're not getting as much water coming out of the spout, I always thought that that was more of an indication that maybe the bladder in the tank mm-hmm. is like worn out. It could be. Yeah, it could be that you've lost the pressure in the tank to make the, the air pressure so it can make the water pressure. It could be that. Um, easiest way to tell is if that tank's really, really heavy, it's full of water. Mm-hmm. If you pick that t- tank up and you're not getting any water and it's light, most likely you got a plug and the filter. RO, okay, gotcha. So that's a good thing then. Like if the RO uh, membrane stops working, it's mm-hmm. just you're not going to let that contaminated water get past it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's You're just going to end up with less water. Yeah, it's just going to kind of block it off to where you're not getting much water through it. Okay, perfect. That that sounds like a pretty, mm-hmm. uh, you know, good yeah. test right there. I it's mean, like, most of the time you will. Oh. <laughs> there are times when you will test it, and I'll test an RO if I'm in a house doing some work for a plumber or something like that, and it will test 280 coming in, and after the RO, it's like at 187. Hmm. Um, typically speaking, when with our ROs, if just for an easy number at 100, if we're starting our TDS at 100, after the RO, I want it to be 10 or lower. Gotcha. I want to see at least a 90% drop, if not more. Um, 90% is kind of my cutoff. If we're not at 90% at least, that's when I'm replacing a membrane. Gotcha. Um, you can get upwards to 97 to 99% though with a membrane. But if it's producing at lower than 90%, that's when we're replacing them because membranes, they don't just kind of go bad over time. They just They stop. go bad and then they just spike. So, uh, this, uh, TDS tester meter <laughs> that you have where you just kind of dip it in the water, yeah. is that one that's like reusable over oh, yeah. and over again. Mm-hmm. So it's not like a test strip type of thing. Yeah. Me as a, as a service technician for our company, I do a lot of the service work. Um, I've had the same TDS tester in my truck for probably about three years oh, good. and I've used it thousands of times. Well, I got to come and get some, some figure out how to test these things so I can make some videos <laughs> to show people how to test uh, those, those things that you're talking about. But uh, anyway, well, that was, that was, that was a good episode. I like uh, all that information about ROs. Hopefully, uh, you guys listening um, got some value out of that. Uh, do tell me, do this for me. Leave me a comment down below and let me know if you have an RO system. Uh, if you don't, or did you get any? Like, give me some ahas. Like, was there anything that we talked about that that really stood out to you, or is there anything that you want to know more? Uh, Jeff's already agreed that if we chalk the comments full of questions, that he he'll come back and uh, we'll do some Q and A with him. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you coming. Oh, no by problem. And, uh, Glad to be here and talking to us again. Uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening and watching the show. I appreciate your time. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of In the House. If you'd like to know more about Any Hour Services, visit anyhourservices.com. I've been your host, Mike Wilson, and you've been listening to In the House. See ya. Oh, oh there it is. <laughs> Leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>